When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up and welcome back to the kind of funny screencast. Of course, I'm Tim Geddes and I'm joined by the sad boy himself, Bear Courtney. Mm -hmm. Mm. Do a monologue, Barrett. I wrote the whole speech down. The whole script (laughs) is just written down in my notes. Oh, wow. There you Ooh. go. Where were you this week? You got Barrett? the Ahsoka ones. I love that for you. I love that for you. So you went to Galaxy's Edge for the first time. chat can't hear me there you go now you can hear it um no there we go everything is different because i'm running things from home right now so uh yeah that's uh uh, i gotta relearn my stuff from home um yeah so i went to uh, galaxy's edge for the first time in three years last time i was there was a couple weeks before rise of the resistance had opened um and so i got to do that twice uh in the last Mm -hmm. couple of days which was such a magical time uh i've been thinking yeah, it, it was seriously like I, I can't explain how special that uh, that well, ride that's, was. That's just not just like a bunch of Star Wars nerds on a video call together saying the Star Wars ride is the best ride. It really is the best <laughs> ride. It really yeah, it's ride, insane. Though. It's like I didn't think everybody like was hyping it up. And I was like, I don't I don't know how this lives up to the hype that everybody's trying to sell me on. But it, it really did. And it was one of those ones where it's like you can't really tell when the ride starts and you're, you're like, am I still in the line? What is happening right now? Um, and that's, that's, that's all I'll say about how immersive it is and how special mm-hmm. that was. Um, but yeah, I've been also thinking about buying lightsabers for years at this point. Um, and it was always back and forth between the Ahsoka lightsabers or the Obi-Wan Kenobi lightsabers, uh, mm-hmm. or the, his lightsaber. And the reason why his was kind of in the lead was because it's only one lightsaber and much cheaper. But let me tell you, I went to, uh, went to Galaxy's Edge and they're like, huh, you like the Obi-Wan uh, Kenobi lightsaber? Well, we're going to package it with Anakin. So you can't buy them uh, on their own. You got to buy them together. And it's like oh, $400 or some shit Ooh, like that. And that's like, new. Yeah. That's new. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm getting the Ahsoka lightsabers. So yeah, that was, uh, that was a fun little thing there that I got to, got to get to the, the Ahsoka lightsabers. It was meant to be. That was that was that was life telling me, hey, get the get the Ahsoka lightsabers. Oh yeah. You gotta love that. Joining the group as well. We got the one and only Anthony Carboni. Oh my st- I good lord, this show. It's the best. I think it's my favorite Star Wars thing, but I'm caught up in the moment right now. But I will tell you this, Andor season one went out exactly the way I wanted it to, and I'll do a quote for you. This one got me. I love him more than anything he could ever do wrong. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down as well. And then my, my quote for today, the man who sees everything is more blessed than cursed. 
Oh my God, did this damn show rounding out the group today with hair to match the show. Brand new hair, you gotta love it. Sage Ryan, how you doing? I screamed, I frightened my cats, I cried, and I also wrote down a quote. <laughs> and mine is, the empire is a disease that thrives in darkness and it is never more alive than when we are asleep. God, so good. We've been asleep. Every time she says we've been asleep, it just fucking hits you so in different ways every time she says it and how she repurposes it. Marva's yeah. speech in this finale encaps encapsulates the entirety of this show, which is just a people slowly becoming um, radicalized mm -hmm. uh, under the tyranny of the empire. And it's so beautifully written um, and so beautifully told uh, throughout the, the entire season. But that, that, entire speech was just 10 out of 10. It's also very, uh, well, we'll get more into it, but I think it's also very, it's a speech for the new era of Star Wars and the tone that they're adding to Star Wars now, which is what I really, really loved about it. And I can talk more about that. Tim, do your, why don't you open this show already? I don't have a, you guys took the lines that I would have said. I just want to give a shout out to marching bands. I'm really happy they're, they're back in vogue. Uh, uh -huh. Maybe in, I don't know if they're back in vogue. They're in vogue space for the first marching time. bands. Okay. Space roots, you know, big fan of that. Uh, but of course, this is the kind of funny screencast each and every week we get together to talk about the latest in TV movies and trailers. Uh, unfortunately, this is the end of Andor. This is the end of the line for us. So no more star Wars for this year. Um, I don't know what exactly we're going to be doing the next couple of weeks, but I do know we're going to be doing, weekly last of us starting in january and i'm very excited about that um, yeah. but while we're here remember you could watch live on youtube.com slash kind of funny you could also watch later on youtube.com slash kind of funny if podcasts are your thing so it's your favorite podcast service for kind of funny screencast we'll be right there for you um if you wanted to get the show ad free you got to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny just like some of our patreon producers morgan lorraine fargo brady hillary bernard id raven immersion fragrances delaney twining christopher rodriguez the kind of funny destiny 2 pc clan Corey Turnipseed, Tall Tree 81, Trent Berry, Joseph A. Carlson, Tranquil Uranium, Macro, One Up Pest Control, Alex J. Sandoval, James Hastings, Colin Huguenel, and Carrie Palmer have done. Thank you so very, very much. Today we're brought to you by Shady Rays, but we'll tell you all about that later. I want to get right into it. Sage, let's start with you. What did you think about the finale of Andor Season 1? There was a lot of things that we speculated happening. We speculated on Marva. We speculated on a special appearance by somebody. Uh, and there was a brief moment towards the beginning of the episode uh, that I went, Palpatine. Oh, really? The Emperor. They might show the Emperor. Uh, and I'm so glad that they didn't. Uh, this show has been perfect all the way through for me. Um, and the fact that they let this finale carry itself entirely is not common for Star Wars and immaculate. Uh, I wrote down Nemec's entire speech and yes. for it, can they release Nemec's manifesto? <laughs> can they release as a book Nemec's manifesto? As a raging commie, I sat there screaming at my television and I wrote the whole thing down because I Googled it and I couldn't find the whole speech online anywhere. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm sure it's there's like going to be, but you know, it's only been Ugh. out for so many hours. So I couldn't find a transcript of the entire speech. So instead, I sat down with the captions on on my television and I wrote the entire thing yes. down. Oh my God. <laughs> the free, so freedom incredible. is a pure idea. I just, it's so amazing. It's, it's so, so amazing. Good. Uh, from it also, uh, tyranny is, tyranny requires constant effort, like mm -hmm. every piece of it. And I was texting Anthony while I was watching it and I texted him and I was like, best speech in Star Wars. Best hey. speech ever in star wars and then marva spoke and i was like yeah. oh, i don't know anymore well i'll tell you that sage you sent me one text which was best speech in star wars do you remember what the single text i sent to you during this episode was i do it says i have it right in front of me it says funeral jizz what there we go. there we go there was a band and they for the funeral and they played funeral jizz for those who don't uh, immediately have that recall to mind, as it took me a moment, uh, jazz in Star Wars is called jizz. They did a they did a jazz funeral for Marva, and so they were playing funeral jizz. Wait, but the funeral it. procession music slapped so hard. It was really good. It, had it was really no good. Business being that good, both the like somber, uh, like actual funeral music, and the moment when it kicked the moment when it kicked was incredible it wasn't over the top it was subtle enough that you're like oh oh what's happening yeah oh, what's happening and when, and like when they when oh, the march episode. stops and then like oh. b2 like does that weird little like thing and then they pick up and you're like oh let's fucking go man let's go let's go yeah. i watched this right before we did this by the way so i am filled with like the immediately after watching it hi <laughs> Carboni, what about you? Yeah, uh, pitch perfect ending. I think the uh, I think the entire season has been pitch perfect for me. I know there was some stuff that we were a little unsure of in the beginning, uh, but I was I was keeping I was keeping my hopes up that they were just setting things up. And every time we worried about something, it was that they were just kind of setting things up that were going to pay off. I felt very good about this show all the way through. Uh, I think all of these characters had had perfect endings and perfect uh, kind of cliffhanger endings. Uh, this hit all of the emotional notes that I wanted it to hit. Uh, I will tell you, as we start going through it, the moment I exactly gave up on my theory of Marvo still being alive. But, and you probably know what moment it is, but um, I couldn't have loved this episode more and they could not have done a better job or given this a better ending. I don't, I don't think. All right. Uh, yeah, the, I, I'm in complete agreement. I think the way that they are able to thread almost everything that has been set up throughout the season into just this one episode where you're constantly going back and forth between so many different things and none of it feels unearned it all feels well set up and you feel the tension of um the first guy who is tortured um and uh, i think like left up for dead or whatever his yeah, son pack. yeah his son making this bomb throughout the like first third of the episode but then also catching up with vel and cinta and then the uh, scars guards coming into town and like all of these different things and you, Clem you flashbacks yes clem flashbacks and so like uh just all of these things and you feel the tension for the entire episode until it bursts at the end of Marva's speech. And it's so goddamn good. Um, 
Yeah, I thought this was a, a beautiful way to end this show. I think, like uh, Carboni was saying, especially last week, I, th- I do think this is probably the, the best Star Wars anything i i don't th- i don't know if it's my favorite star wars like again i i have a, a personal soft spot for the animated stuff but i I, mm-hmm. I think just of of pure quality in writing production performance video editing and and pacing and all that stuff i i, I really think this is something truly special that uh and has hit a high that i don't know star wars has ever hit before um and yeah, yeah i'm i'm so excited for what they're going to do with season two. There's still so many questions. There's so many things that I feel like we got enough answers today on the kind of uh, where people are going, their trajectories with their life, but there's still so much that's set up for like, all right, what's my boy Cyril Figgis going? Like, what's he going to do in season two? And stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I absolutely loved this episode. And even uh, I, I was watching in bed this morning and Alyssa, who has not watched any of this show, was also uh, hanging out. And she was like, that was really good, even though I had not watched like any of the other episodes. That was a really good time. So um, there you go. That's a, I feel like the highest praise I can give is uh, is her is her praise there. How was it for you, yeah. Tim? It's a 10. I mean, this season of TV, I think uh, the season is a 10. This finale was a 10. It paid off so well on everything that it built up. I was less high, as we've talked about, on the first couple episodes. And I feel like this show was just so well structured to have those three episodes. And this last one kind of feel like the perfect endpoint conclusion to making those three episodes, like Anthony was saying, like, feels so worth it. All of it was set up and all the middle episodes, I was just so enamored with and loved them so much that I feel like they put every character, every location in this scenario that this episode was able to just kind of in a weird way, scale back. It felt and just deal with the characters, deal with the realness of what's going on in the situation. And for a show that just every episode were like, Oh my God, that's the best monologue ever. And then in that same episode, they outdo themselves. And I feel like they've done that for the last five episodes now to yes. get to this episode and have Marva have that speech to have the um, manifesto read, like all of it. It's just like, man, like in terms of like, is this my favorite star Wars? Is this the best star Wars? Like it almost doesn't matter because this is perfect. Like this is a perfect use of star Wars and the story that they told in the way that they told it, is downright impressive honestly um using the toys that they have to play with i feel like they they treated it so seriously i am still so surprised at how people die in this show where it just feels real and it's that we use the word grounded so often to describe things but this show is grounded in a, in a way that i don't know that i've ever seen before for this type of sci-fi of people getting shot by a laser and then they just drop down and then the camera just lingers on their body yeah. and we just look at them and it's like it all of a sudden just feels so much more real where it it doesn't just feel like mass numbers kind of running at each other and hitting each other with sticks and stuff. It's like, Oh, these are people. These are all individual people that all have stories and lives and friends and relationships. And they are now deciding and like, whether it's on the small scale or the Mon Mothma scale, deciding like, yo, we need to give up some of our luxuries in life. Even if your luxury is just being with your partner. Uh, on in in uh, in Ferrix or whatever, um, Barrett being at Galaxy's Edge watching this episode, I was like so impressed with just this set dressing of um, of Ferrix. Where I'm like, this looks like Galaxy's Edge. Like this is some Star Wars shit, and it, it's cool to be able to just live in this world and um, see it so well presented. Especially comparing it to some of the other shows that we've talked about, of not feeling so great about Boba Fett, how Tatooine was, and all that. Like 
I believed in this place and I believed in these people and I believed in the fight they were in. I believed in the empire and how they felt. I love the way that this show has dealt with the empire being really just, just a, bunch a clip of-, of Tim Getty saying, I believe in the empire. Yeah. yeah don't, just clip that out? don't don't yeah. clip it out. Don't, definitely don't clip that out of context. Can we just clip that out. <laughs> what I'm saying is I, I, I believe in where the characters of the empire we see in this show, the way that they speak to each other, the way that we've countlessly seen them be like, um oh we should use this for practice or like ah we should get better at this it's like we're seeing the beginning of this evil and it's been happening for a while and to see them all to see the one dude that's kind of like all right guys go for it like we can't let this happen this funeral procession as the music so beautifully rising and like what sage was saying like not only was the somber stuff great the moment it like kicks off it just that song that funeral procession this episode feels like just such a great Endpoint reminder of what we felt this entire season of how the tension is yeah. has risen the entire time till its breaking point. And this episode's kind of just like the in conclusion of the beautiful essay yeah. that was Star Wars Andor season one. And I just want to say, yeah. I was I, I wanted I, I was saying the show needs to have a post credit that's going to get the normies talking. They pulled it off. They it, did it. it wasn't a person, but it was an iconic thing. We all expected it was the Death Star, but seeing it and seeing it the way that they showed it, that's the type of thing that people are going to go. Oh shit! Really? Cool. Yeah. I'm into this show. And yeah. good. This show deserves way more eyes. And and y'all called it with uh, them them building the parts uh, at the prison and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. and seeing that contextualized was was really really cool to see. It just yeah. I mean, Cassian Andor being so woven into every level of this thing without even realizing it before he's even ready to like come to terms with it. That was just such a perfect. There was such a perfect button on it. You know what I mean? Like he was going to be in this whether he wanted to or not. Uh, it was just absolutely lovely. And of course, I want to shout out Nicholas Brattel again for the amazing music in this show. Because I feel like he's, I'm not hearing his name as much as like Ludwig Gorenson's name or as much as like, you know, or as much as Giacchino's name. But I want, I want people to be saying his name when it comes to Star Wars music because I think he's done such an amazing job. And he's just such a versatile composer all the way through this season speaking on the music i i've always loved the the use of the theme just for the title screen itself where you see andor and like how it sets the stage for like how the vibe and tone of the episode is going to be and i love that for this one it's like a cacophonic noise of just booming sounds of the theme and it just like cuts into here we are the funeral is about to happen we know all the players are about to be in the same place like what is about to go down it was such a done. chess game. It was such a yeah. chess game. Mm-hmm. It was so fun to watch from that, where you're just like, how? How does this all work? Um, I would love to talk about Bix. Yeah. We got to so- talk about Bix. I mean, uh, we were going back and forth on whether or not she was like completely hopeless and gone. Uh, and I loved her ending for this season. I thought it was incredible on the ship taking off. He'll find us. He'll find us. Uh, and maybe part of me loved that because I'm like, thank God someone's there to comfort B2. Um, but like sending them off together as both characters that I have loved in this show and that like door being opened to a new path forward for those characters makes me so excited for season two. Uh, Mm. I'm so glad that they didn't give us a hopeless end to Bix's story 
Mm-hmm. Well, and I also uh, enjoy. I want to jump in there just real fast. I just want to say I really appreciate that how the finale tied everything together because we've been theorizing what we think might happen and came up with a lot of really logical uh, ways things could play out. I love that the way that this played out makes perfect sense, satisfies all of us, and it wasn't what any of us really expected in terms of like character by character endpoints yeah. uh, yeah. or like when does they when does he join the rebellion? When does this character die? When does this happen? It's just wow, they did a great job of giving us what we need not what we want or expect yeah and i think you know especially with this the great thing about giving us those kinds of endings is like he'll find us and he goes oh yeah i'll find you and you see that look in his face that cassian look of like man i don't know that i'm ever gonna find you and i don't know that i'm ever coming back and i don't know that you can trust me because i'm i'm still i still don't think very much of myself and just because I came through for you this one time, uh, I wouldn't put all your hope in me. Yeah, <laughs> You know what I mean? When, when this whole series, in the first third of this series, he was like, man, why doesn't Bix just like believe in me? Why does-? And that's Cassian's problem. And I love that it's mm-hmm. always Cassian's problem. He's like, hey, man, why don't you trust me? Until somebody trusts him. And he's like, whoa, 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 don't trust me. I never come through. and i just love that that continues even in that just that little moment there uh seeing but seeing bix totally like totally broken down where it's like no we can't leave they'll be angry i know that was hard and that's when she said that too i was like oh she's too far gone because like they do again when we're jumping back and forth between so many different threads every time you see her and just like the way she's kind of like kind of tuned into the funeral, kind of humming along while crying and stuff. You're like, mm-hmm. she's she's kind of there, and, like, you're scared of, like, how much is really going to be there when Cassian shows up to try to save her. Um, yeah. I was, I was really scared that it was going to be more of a, a fight to get her out of there. Well, um, I mean, she even says to Cass, she's like, Marva was here, and he goes, I know, wasn't she great? And it's just like, oh, oh. man, you don't know what's going on. Oh, like, beautiful. But I do love, I also love that, like, the Empire, something that they show throughout this entire episode is a regime like the Empire, a a government that's trying to be totalitarian like that, thinks they have control over everything and forgets, like, the human connections that make up an actual community. When Cass breaks into the hotel and pulls the gun on the cook and he goes, oh, hey, Tenek, and he goes, hey, Cass, sorry about your mother. Like, there's nobody on that planet that is loyal to the Empire that didn't show up with the Empire. And the Empire just believes they have control. And I think that's one of the wonderful things that they keep showing with this is like, and it comes back to Nemec's. Yeah, it comes back to Nemec's manifesto, right? Where it's Mm -hmm. like, this is like, it's an impossible thing to keep up. It's brittle, it falls apart because it's not the natural order. You can't impose that order. The other half of that is Marva's speech because Mm A, not yet, Uh, but Marva's speech is we've been sleeping because we've had each other. And like as beautiful as it is to be able to find goodness in your community and to be able to ignore the outside world because you have each other, it's made them completely unaware of them being completely infiltrated in their own community. Yeah. Um, and so much of her speech is about that. It's like, I know we love each other. What the hell are we going to do with it? Yes. It's useful and not just surviving. Well, and it's funny because you wonder watching this episode, something they don't do, which I think is wonderful, is they don't show little minutia of how much of 
how much of Marva's funeral, how much of Rick's road was planned? How much did everybody know about everybody else's plan? When Brasso looks over at Willman, Pax Kid, um, who, by the way, is named for Bo Willeman, who's one of the writers on the series. Uh, when Brasso looks over at Willman and kind of gives him this eye and Willman looks back at him, you get the feeling like Brasso knows Willman's about to pull something. Does Brasso know that there's a bomb? Does Brasso know how big this thing that he pulls is going to be? And you get the feeling that not everybody knows what everybody else is going to do. Yeah, they all just know that they're time. ready to fight. Yeah, they're ready to yeah, fight back, which... Like how much does how much do the daughter the daughters of Ferrix know about all this? Right. How much do they know about like the speech that was left behind? How much like who's watched that speech? Has anybody watched that speech? Like how much did B two know? Right? B two like, knew. B two knew. Yeah. By the way, the B two moves when the music changes. The yeah. band knew something was up. There is some coordination level within the community, and I love that we didn't see it. I love yeah. that too. It's the moment. It's like everything we're just saying. We're talking about Star Wars, you guys. I know. Like, yeah. How the hell is like this, this is awesome TV, man. And it also it's happens so to good. be awesome Star Wars. Yeah. I think yeah. Marva saved Bix. I the think way so Bix too. says Marva was here because mm. you can he, you can see her leaning up against the wall listening to Marva's speech, and I think that is the only reason why she got she back. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I um, also want to point out uh, we're talking about B two. I think the first time he actually speaks at all is at the end of the episode, and the, he he says Cassian because um, yeah. yeah, he does not talk at all. I think throughout the uh, the funeral or anything like that, and it was just like when he just does the little Cassian, and you're just like, oh my guy, <laughs> you're just forever sad, and it makes me sad all the time. I know, uh, it, I it love it so much. And uh, um, extra extra hell goes to the person who kicked over over b2 um uh, when, you, when shit uh, how popped much off do we love that it was the kicking over of b2 that really fucking ended it for everybody that's when everybody was like all right now it's time to fight <laughs> you don't know what he's been through um but i i don't know this this episode was so good at, at so many things um we got that that's that scene with clem in the beginning where he's like where he's like nobody looks down nobody looks at the rust um, nobody sees beyond the rust. They got rid of these because they're, they, they want to sell you a new one. And it's just like, uh, what is that? Oh, well that thing, that part right there is called an intergalactic metaphor. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's literally all it was. And I just, but I loved it though, because you see the two different sides of Cassian's upbringing, right? Where we've seen Marba who's like, fight the, you know, fight that fight for this, fight for this, fight for this. And Cassian's like, whoa, calm down. And then you see Clem who's like, hey man, get by. They won't see you. Nobody's looking. You can do what you need to. And you just sort of like two parents who were who separately were a little too idealistic in two different ways coming together. And you see these ideals come together in Cassian and finally make whether he knows it or not one really really good rebel yeah and it's lovely to see that you know and even in the even in the what brasso is told by marva to tell cassian where it's like he knows everything he needs to know he feels everything he needs to feel and when those two pull together he's going to be an unstoppable force for good and i That's just great. love that i love it 
I want to keep talking about Star Wars Andor's finale, but before we do that, real quick, I want to give some more shout outs to Patreon producers Skylar Peterson, Casey Andrew, Elliot, Brian Cheney, Casey Kern, G. Greg, Trevor Starkey, Adam, Jacob Moyfelt, Super Daddy Kyle, who always makes me smile, Undertopian, David Mindtal, the, the Mind Freak, Jordan from Kansas, Cameron Bowes, Jake Holbs, David Huzenga, Huzang, wait, David Huzenga, uh, Jerrica Chu, Molecule, Nathan Lamothe, Monica, Boominlog, and Delaney Twining. Thank you so very much. Because you support us on Patreon, you don't need to check out these ads. But for everyone else, here's the ad. So one of the things I, I loved about this episode as well was seeing the Empire kind of in disguise as the more rebel side. Like seeing Dedra walk around like in the town kind of like Mm-hmm. doing a whole sneaky sneak thing i was like this is cool because we don't often see that side of things right like we always see people pretending to be imperial officers or whatever but like i like that they built this character and characters with uh mr serial um mm-hmm. to kind of like be the all right these are the bad guys and we we don't believe in them but like we understand what they're doing and why they're here and i just love that they're both so obsessed with getting andor at this point and like figuring this whole thing out love the line about today was about wiping the taste of aldani from the emperor's mouth like just such a such a good good just single line yeah. the 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 poetry, the lyricism of that line. I love so much the delivery of it from our from our boy over there. So good. But to get to the the rising tension where we're we're seeing it obviously from the protagonist's point of view, we're rooting for the the good guys. But it gets scary for Dedra at the end when she's like getting trampled and kind of beat up and then the the space cop pulls her out. I was like, Not Man, a field like, agent. Not a field agent. Yeah. But also yeah. at the same time, I was like, yeah, get her ass. Like, I, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I yelled that out loud when she started getting trampled too. and stuff. I was like, fuck yes. And well, then it's, so, it, you know. it's but, funny because you forget that her title throughout the series is analyst. Yeah. She's a data analyst. Yeah. She's not. And she yeah, convinces she's not herself agent. just like Cyril. But Tim, that she that could go out there. Where Cyril pulls Deidre into there. Way too much sexual tension between those Nazis, right? Yeah, I didn't love that. I honestly, she was like, I should say thank you right now. And he's like, you don't have to. And I was like, that's, I really wanted her to kill him there. I don't know why. Like, I really wanted her to be like, no, you fucking followed me when I told you not to. Like, I want to kill. And and granted, my boy Cyril Fig is here. A very fascinating. Not my boy. Hold on. No, not my boy in that sense, but just like, but Cyril Figgis. Can we clip that out? Can we clip that out and put that next to Tim's? (laughs) I love the Empire. Oh, shit. Um, My my boy in the sense that he is a fascinating character and he's a great character study. Um, That was like the one thing where I was like, all right, I get why they want to keep him alive because he is fascinating and what they're going to do with him in season two is going to be a very interesting second half to his story but at the same time for her character i really wanted her to be like no you fuck it like i i get that you just saved me but no i told you to fucking thought, stay away from me and i think i, I feel that energy kiss i well i went both Sorry, ways with it right I, I thought cyril was gonna have his first kiss me no. too i legit I, did so so i went both ways with it i was like he might tried to kiss her i don't know but like her energy was like he just saved my life oh no i looked like an idiot out there oh no he's the one that saved my life right oh no like there was just like a lot of different performance from her like getting all of that across yeah i do think that there was that element of the field that she's not a field agent i do think that there was a a humbling moment to her where she was like this guy saved me and I I, I kind of needed him and I didn't, I don't want to need him, but I did. And I think there was that moment of reflection where she was like, 
I don't have this all figured out. I can't do this all by myself. Well, so and that's the thing is the two of them coming together like this is, you know, we're seeing, we've seen in this season, the partisans, Saw Gerrera, we know that there are extremists on the side of the rebellion. You think that you don't really need extremists within the empire because they're the empire. They're already like far, yeah. far, far fascist, right? Like whatever. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. We're watching throughout the entire season and especially through this episode when Partagaz is like, no, this was about, like you said, getting the taste of Aldani out of the emperor's mouth. It's like, everything is for show. Everything's for a promotion. And she's like, somebody needed to be in the room to tell you not to kill this guy because he has information. Mm -hmm. And throughout this entire episode, she's telling everybody else, they're like, oh yeah, we can put a guy right there. And she's like, no, don't kill him. We need to ask him things. And they're just like, they don't get it. And the fact that Cyril is the only other person that gets what she's saying is starting to make the two of them very dangerous and very, very off-putting. <laughs> you know, like they're going to get weird. They're going to get weird. Oh yeah. It's going to get real weird. And I'm, that's what, that's one uh, thread that I'm not excited to, to see where that goes. Cause it's going to be, it's going to be Dude, creepy, baby. That moment with yeah. him and him and Mosk on the, on the, transport what was that with uh, with the hats why were why were they switching hats so he, so cyril had the imperial hat okay and mosk had mosk had the uh mosk had a civilian hat and mosk offered his civilian hat to cyril to help his uh to help his disguise right okay. because that's his commanding officer and all i could think that all i could think about the two of them was just like these two fucking written houses just these two little these two little online militia idiots and and just mosk just putting all of his faith into cyril and then that that shot at the end of mosk drinking alone because cyril yeah. has left him oh yeah cyril yeah. has left him in the dirt for dedra mm -hmm. um, yeah. and it's just ugh, it was gross everything they did was gross <laughs> Yeah, the, the thing, uh, I thank you for explaining it because I was a little confused there too. But I just love even the public transportation that we've been seeing in these shows. Like we saw it in Mando, we saw it in uh, in Boba Fett, now and in Obi Wan, and now seeing this, it's like I it just makes the universe and these worlds and planets just feel so much more like real places. And I love just like the, these these guys. That it's exactly what you're saying. Like they're they are assholes that are just the online 4chan motherfuckers. Yeah. And it's like just seeing them take public transportation to their to their like little meetup spot. It's just very funny to me. And I yeah. I, I love the the moment too, where the the funeral's popping off, and then Cyril, Cyril's trying to get through, and he just gets pushed back like the little fucking nerd he is by the uh, by the Empire, where he's just like oh he walks in like he owns the place, and then it's like just a reminder of like. No, dude, like you're just a guy. Yeah. Sit the fuck While down. While they're arriving too, you know, we also have we have Luthen arriving and Vel arriving. Luthen, I just want to give a shout out to Luthen Rails Arcteric store card. Cause that dude is buying the best ponchos and hoodies and freaking <laughs> that dude is like his 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 when when Luthen is in the field, his wardrobe is all like a cold wall. You know what I mean? He is tech wear to the max, and I love it. Did you notice though? I love and and Barrett. I feel like you would you would have been the the guy to really clock this. He comes and goes exactly like Maul does. Yeah, he, he comes and goes exactly like Maul does in the prequels. Mm -hmm. he, he lands always, in the he, middle of yeah, in the he, middle of nowhere. Yep. He gets on his little speeder. He pulls his hood up. He doesn't get his guy. 
mm-hmm. and he drives away. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying here is that there is going to be an eventual Maul connection with Luthen. What I'm saying That's is Maul, saying. Maul in season two. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What I'll say about <laughs> not getting his guy. Uh, okay, I want to talk about how all of a sudden all the stormtroopers have impeccable aim and one hit kills for this whole series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One shot oh, blaster is now deadly. Like dead, well, dead, they burn dead, dead, through dead. those good ones real quick. You know what I mean? They burn <laughs> through those good ones real quick, and then they and then they don't get the best enlisting. You know what I mean? They're not yeah. stealing the best babies by sense. the time you get to the original trilogy. That yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we you also know, yeah you know, the one shot one kill. It's like it it made the stakes feel real, and it like you worried about every character when they're in uh, precarious situations, like Cinta running through that beautiful shot, the run through the smoke, the one shot falling, going in, stabbing the guy. It's like, she could have died. And I'm like, I'm happy she didn't because she's awesome. You know, and I, yeah. I love the dynamic between her and Vel and Vel just as a character. We didn't even talk about Mon Mothra yet. Yeah. The scene of her in the car, just sitting there, just breathing. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah we got to put it. We got to put a pin in Mon Mothma for sure. Yeah. But when we're talking about C- Cinta and Vel and Vel's just like taking forever to read the room. Like, read the room, Vel. Like, it's not about you today. Yeah. It's unfortunately not going to be about you. For a bit. Maybe until the Death Star gets destroyed. You know what I mean, yeah. Vel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it reminds me of, the, uh, of the, the character in the Ahsoka book who, like, had kind of fallen uh, a little bit for Ahsoka, but she could not think about that at, uh, at, yeah. at that time because now it's, it's wartime. We can't think about that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. She's such a badass. Yeah. Yep. Cinta so owns. cool. She is so cool. <laughs> and uh, what I do love, somebody, and I think somebody pointed this out, and uh, somebody who's watching live pointed this out as well. It's easy for the rebels to pick out an imperial undercover. There's something about an imperial undercover where they just can't blend in. Yeah. It's you know, it's Corvo's Corv's or whatever his name is, Corv's posture and the way he carries himself when he's walking through and Cinta just clocks him immediately yeah. as ISB because yep. they just can't blend in. And she's also just good at her job, man. Yeah. Yep. She's so good. And poor Vel is just like I think Vel is still reeling from reeling from the revelation she had last episode where she realized that she put Mon into the situation that she's in and that Luthen doesn't Luthen doesn't care about her any more than anybody else does. Vel is learning that nobody in the rebellion is cared for any more than anybody else when it's mission time. And that's yep. really starting to hurt Vel's feelings a lot. And Especially I wonder what that's she going was to... raised like basically royalty there. She was raised wealthy. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing, right? Is it's just like I want to go do something worthwhile. But still, I'm used to being treated like a little princess. So what's I going wanna, on here? I want to know the story of why Mon got in this whole like pathway of the marriage and all of that, and Vel didn't. Yeah, you wonder if it's older, if it's older and younger or something mm-hmm. like that. Or she's like a cousin. Like had passed or something. Yeah, if maybe, maybe because she's a cousin, her family doesn't have the same station that mon's family does like you know how in every in every like in every like fantasy like uh royalty sort of thing or real royalty Mm -hmm. it's like you've got the family that's next in line and then you've Mm -hmm. got their cousins who are like dukes and like duchesses and things like that where it's like vel's just not as important maybe is what i get the feeling for and so she's able to not she's able to like not have to like carry herself as well as mon does but Mm -hmm. you're right tim in that our lady Geraldine needs 
to get her flowers because she's in this episode for two minutes and it's so good. And then she, so sad. The end. Yo, <laughs> I, I, in the beginning of this episode, I go to, I think to myself, she's, she's figured it out. Why not throw Perrin under the bus? Everybody knows that Perrin's a terrible guy. Yeah. All you have to do is say, I know my driver's a spy. Perrin, you're gambling again. We're losing money. It felt Boy. like it, it felt like such a de- uh, desperate attempt too, though, and it, it it did feel really even in the moment really weak. And you get like the follow up uh, on it where you you see that um uh, kind of Dedra's rival is the mm. one who is like really looking into to to Mon there. And yeah, I believe he, it's like Levis or whatever. Yeah, and he's like, "This is interesting. Keep listening in, stuff like that." Um, and do you, do you think that the end there, where they're walking and and uh, you know having the the children meet, do you think that's her just also not believing in that attempt that she tried to make of like blaming it on him? Because I I felt like even in the middle of her performance in the back of the car, she's not even really feeling it in in a way of like trying to sell this lie she 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 gives like a little there's a slight moment where she gives like a little bit of like ha 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 this work but she like barely in the car but at the end when when you see when you see davos skaldin's kid and you're just like you did it you sold her out you sold your daughter out you sold your daughter out we were we were trying to give you more credit than that and you did it because here's the thing. Let's say she covers up that 400,000 credits that's missing. The empire or the rebellion's going to need more money and it's going to need to be hidden better. And she's going to need Davos Scalded. Is and it that bad sucks. that I don't think it's that bad? Like the, the structure in itself is pretty bad, but like your daughter's an asshole that wants this. Um, I'm she sorry, doesn't know any better. She's, I know that she's, yeah. she's a kid. I do get that. But right now it is just an introduction, supposedly, mm-hmm. for right now. We all know what that means. But in this scenario where the kid's like, I want this, like, old school structure. It was the thing we were talking about last week of all these, like, revisionist history idealists of, like, I want to be a housewife. Um, in the consequences of the importance we understand Mon Mothma to be, when the ultimatum was given, I was like, Yeah. Yeah, that's probably what anything. you're gonna have to do. I would do you're anything the- for Bravo to to green light Real Housewives, of course, on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, Sage, continue. Oh no, that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. I was just like, yeah, that's probably what you're gonna have to do to save the galaxy, and it's not like it's not a Game of Thrones situation. So maybe the like comparison of our like fantasies is a little bit off. Um, but it's not a Game of Thrones situation. We don't know anything bad about this boy. Yet, sure. Yet, sure. But he got. Sure. But we know that he comes from a crime point. family. I mean, we know that you're marrying your kid into this crime know, family. With all we know, he could be another Joffrey here. I'm just saying. He could be. That's what I'm or, saying. Is we yeah. don't know anything to tell us he is yet. Right. Right. I think it's yeah. a terrible structure and obviously a horrific tradition. But in the terrible. scale of saving the galaxy right now, with the information we have, it didn't make me dislike Mon Mothma in any way. I oh, got yeah. a little bummed at Mon Mothma for for doing it. I, I understand that she's been painted into a corner, and I certainly am not now. I'm certainly not anti Mothma. I would never be, but I, but can't be. I do think, I, I do think that like, if you're trying, you know, throughout this whole season, we're like, 
she's not as bad as her family thinks. She's just doing more important things. She, she does care. And it's like, when you see this at the end, it's like, Ooh, I wish you'd, I wish you'd tried a little harder or taken a little more time to find another way here. Mon Mothma. I felt I just, just yeah. heartbroken that she had to, but that's yeah. how I felt about it. I didn't feel like there was another option. She didn't try hard enough or take. I felt heartbroken that she had to do this because here's the thing. Her husband doesn't have a problem with it. Her daughter doesn't have a problem with it. The rest of the family doesn't have a problem with it. She's actually the only one who's against it. Oh, oh, the, it's, it's rough. It's yeah, rough. I don't it like rough. it. And I'm very interested in seeing because season two, we know, uh, is an accelerated timeline. If this, if this arranged marriage happened or this arranged courtship happens, we're going to see it in super speed. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it'll be it'll very be interesting uh, to see that. It'll be very House of the Dragon season one there, which will be Love interesting it. to see that uh, see them pull that off. Um, a couple of things I want to talk about uh, before we wrap up. Uh, in the middle of everything, right? This whole battle between the Empire and the locals is happening. All this stuff. Uh, Luthen's uh, been there the entire time. He hears this speech from Cassian's mother, this guy that he hired as a, a you know a hired gun, not really believing in him a lot. But then hears what his mother has to say, sees what's going on with the local population who weren't even an official rebel cell. Like yeah, Bix seemed to have had more contact with him than they might have let on. But it's not like the entire. Uh, local population there was a part of the thing that he was building and then seeing all of that and then him you know leaving not getting his man and stuff like that there was a shot where he's kind of like looking over the town before you see him leave and I was thinking of like this is moment where he finally like is like maybe I don't know Cassian well but maybe he's not as maybe he's not as much of a risk as as I thought originally yeah well um, the note that I took was like was like you know Luthen is here and he still wants Andor dead. And I mean, like, it's been months and Cassian hasn't said shit. How much of a loose, how much of a loose thread is Cassian at this point? Right. Like, why is Luthen obsessing over this one thing? I understand that Luthen is starting to get a little nervous and he's coming apart at the seams a little bit, but like, damn, man, I think, I think at this point I'm, I'm more worried about Vel than I'm worried about Cassian. Right. You yeah, know, that's a good if point. I'm really paying attention to, to my agents, like it's it's very interesting to me. I don't I don't know, but I do love that he finally like understands where Cassian comes from. And the 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 scene between the two of them at the end, where he's like, where the subtext with Cassian is like, hey man, if this gets you off of my remaining family's back, then yeah, kill me. Go ahead. Yeah, no like, game. Go ahead. Where's, there's kill the gun. Go ahead. Love it. Kill me or take me in, because. Here's I got things to say. If you don't want to hear them, you don't have to hear them. But just please leave these people alone. Yeah. Don't chase them because you're chasing me. They don't deserve it. Which is like Cassian being selfless Finally. for the first time. <laughs> yeah. We love it. We love it because we know we've established there's no therapy in Star Wars. So for him to come to this... <laughs> on his own is a huge deal. Yeah. A huge deal. Again, the sh the entire show is about the radical radicalization of people and Andor was the one who was slowest to like kind of get to that point, but he got there. Like I love the end, right? Where it was mm -hmm. like uh, cuz I the wheels were turning for me in the scene, right? Where he's letting them go. He's going to stay behind. I was like, "Why what is he planning?" And then you kind of think back to the moment where you now I 
you know, we were talking about Luthen's great fashion style when he's trying to be low key, but it's almost like too low key that he does stand out. So mm-hmm. he, you know, Cassian is able to see him from literally like a mile away, and is like, he's "Oh, a that's a rich Luthen. guy trying to be sneaky." He yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, "Huh, that's interesting. He's probably here to to kill me." Um, and I, I love how that kind of all came back together, and you know, seeing him. Uh, seeing Luthen leave the the town, I was like, man, I really wanted one more moment between him and Cass. And like, when you, when you see him like walk onto the ship, you're like, Oh no, he's already here. Um, yeah. yeah and I, I, I love the kind of the interesting non ultimatum ultimatum. He gives him right. Where he's like, kill me or take me in where it's just like, fuck. Yes. He is. Yeah. He is now ready to fight, which I, I Hell goddamn yeah. love that. Like that's, that's it, this, the entire first season was just about this. And now season two is Andor's fight. The, right. the fight that he now knows he's a part of. Season one was him being a part of a fight he didn't know mm-hmm. he was in, and then season two will be him actually partaking in it uh, in it consciously. Yeah, uh, a couple a couple threads that I want to that I want to mention here. I I do love the thread of Nurchi, the guy who sells who tries to sell out Cassian and ends up getting taken in by the Imperials and yeah. then like blown up. And, and he Cassian, just finds him right, and it's just yeah. like. What the fuck is he doing here? Again, so and many threads. Cassian looks at him and goes, oh, I know that guy. Like, he just gives this look like, yeah. I know that guy. Who's that guy? Yeah. It's like Nurchi, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't, he, he wanted to collect money for me. And, and it was like one of those things where I love that at the beginning, you're like, oh, my God, so many different people are looking for Cassian for their own gain. And then like in the middle of the episode, it's like when you realize he's actually like kind of working for the ISB, because you assume it's like, Oh, he's trying to get the, the money back from, from Cassian or whatever. But no, now he's just like, Oh, I'm just going to collect this bounty or whatever from the ISB. Um, and just kind of seeing that. I, I loved that little moment where he's just like, he will probably never know that story. Never know why yeah. he was there. Never know that he was working with the ISB to, to find no. him or whatever. He's just but like, Oh shit. They got nurchy, man. <laughs> um i also do love uh brasso i i I don't know if we mentioned it but brasso's starting to knock out imperials with marva's stone yes so good that's a moment that's an image that's a vibe him also just like headbutting people at a certain point he was just like he he was just like fuck it i'm i'm destroying myself to fight these people too oh i love it too because the the marva speech is so good but it ending with fight the empire and oh, then I all know. in the freaking rage mode headbutton motherfuckers are like this is great but i love that, that they so literally cool. had fight the empire as the yes line. Yep. it's it is exactly what it is. It's so simple, but it's just it, there's an elegance to it. If I could do and it again, I would wake up early and fight, fight the yes. empire. Fuck. <laughs> it's again, so like I've been saying, they've been in their fucking Duffy in uh, dialogue and uh, soliloquy uh, writing here this entire show. Um, yeah. The that, uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say with the uh, with another thing that I loved about that scene is when they set up. Oh yeah, we gave them a we gave them a permit for thirty people. They wanted more, so we gave them forty. And then they show that wide shot of the funeral procession. When you realize the funeral procession is going to turn into a riot, is when they show that wide shot, and you're like, oh, everyone shows up for Marva. Yeah, everyone. And in the beginning, we were like, man, Cassian owes everybody money. Cassian seems like such a prick. Why does everybody deal with Cassian? And then throughout this season, we find out it's because. <laughs> Ferric, the entire planet of Ferrix loves Marva Andor. Uh huh. <laughs> and she yeah. loves Cassian more than anything bad he could ever do. Yeah. So yeah. they're all like, eh, it's just Marva's jackass son. 
<laughs> it's so good. It's so good. That we got one last climb this episode. Yes. Yeah, he tells him at the very end, he's like, once you get out of the water, climb. climb. Like, Let's go, baby. <laughs> you got to climb. That's yeah. the only way you get out. Yeah. Um, a couple threads that like we didn't get answers to. Where's the sister? Are we talking about the sister anymore? I mean, Marva told him to give up on finding his sister. Yeah. Sure, Marva says a lot of things. Cassian doesn't listen. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised either way if she we get a plot in season two or if, nah, that's just kind of how things go. She's not there. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if they're going to pay that off or if they've decided to let it go. Um, I do wonder, of course, what's going to happen with, with Dedra and Cyril. Uh, I wonder if after, if after Bix and Brasso and B2 uh, separate off, are they going to see Cassian again? I My prediction is that he... Because he becomes an actual spy at a certain point. I think mm. he might run into them without them being aware while he is undercover as a spy and not really being able to to say a goodbye at one point. And that'll be like yeah. the kind of last time that they unknowingly see each other um, from their perspective at least. Cassian is such a deadbeat dad to that droid. When he, when he says, when he says, I'm counting on you and B2 goes, you always, always say that. Say he goes, that. Yeah, and you always come through. come through. It's just like, that's such a deadbeat dad <laughs> shitty thing to say. Like, yeah, and you always do, buddy. All right, bye. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Dad's got to go do some greens in space, Miami. <laughs> God. Sage, any final thoughts on this episode and Andor as a whole? Uh, I'm so excited for what this means for everything. Um, I am also sitting in the space of this is sitting up at the very top of my Star Wars. I think that, like, the rebellion is what I love about Star Wars, the uprising and the gathering of it. And I'm sure it hits in a lot of people's hearts, like particularly intensely right now, like it does in mine. Uh, there was one more moment that we didn't get to talk about. Um, there was just one point where as soon as he gets into the room with Bix and he sees her, uh, there's a point where I just wanted to shout out the editing where there's just a tiny sound and he reaches for his gun and it's very subtle and they cut away from it. And they didn't make it like a big thing in a cliffhanger, but like it spoke to how well-timed this whole episode and this whole season was. Um, I'm very excited to see more about the Rebellion. And I was never team less Jedi. And now I'm like, yeah, whatever, man. No Jedi. Let's just see a bunch of rebels kicking yeah. people off bell towers. Yes. Couple only final thoughts. Yeah, uh, it's a perf. It's been a perfect show so far. I love. It. It's just built and built. Um, everybody who's been coming in late, welcome to the best Star Wars thing there's been in a good long while, if not of all time. And uh, I can't believe we've got to wait like a year for more. I'm yeah, they, ju nuts. they just started production on season two, right? Like, I'm yesterday. I'm going to go nuts. Oh, and one last thing I wanted to say to everyone about this episode. The name, the, the title of the guy who bangs the anvil on the top of the bell tower is Time Grappler. Oh, He's shit. the official yeah. Time Grappler of Ferrix. That's awesome. Hell yeah. <laughs> awesome. That ends. Closing thoughts? I've got uh, two things because... We have uh, been talking about this in connection with uh, with Rogue One. We did the Rogue One uh, re-review and things like that. And I think this finally delivered on the substance I was looking from Rogue One. And that I think can be said with just the what you brought up earlier, Tim, where the guy is choking out the stormtrooper and he gets blasted, just one single blast. And you, they linger on him for a while on the floor. And it's the buddy who's 
part of like the local transport who kind of uh, uh rashy yeah rashy um his arc in just this episode where he kind of realizes that he might be the reason that as uh, Cassian is is coming back might not know what he's coming back into you know the 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 guy who wants the uh, is now secretly working for the ISB is trying to like manipulate him while drinking and stuff like that just all of that and how much that weighs on him uh, throughout the episode and then how much he is willing to fight at the very end and then seeing his death and feeling like it all kind of like just got taken away so quickly from him, not being able to really do anything major to make up for whatever guilt he was carrying. Um, I think that character in and of itself is weighs heavier than anything that's that happened in row one. I'm going to be honest, but that, that's just my takeaway at least. And, and I think that's just how they wrote it um, and how they wrote a lot of this season. But just with that, there's just a lot more substance here that I, I love that we're finally getting from this section of star Wars um, yes. that actually carries, you know, the, thing I loved about Rogue One, how visually it just looked so visually is the best looking Star Wars. And I think the writing is finally caught up with that. And then the last thing I'll say, we said it before, but I want to say it one more time. We are Ferrix. We were sleeping. If I could do it again, I would wake up early and fight, fight the Empire. Uh, editor's note, I meant Zan, not Rashi. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Also, shout out to the Canto Bite reference in this one. Yeah, like, yeah, didn't expect the, that in in Andor. Yeah, fantastic show. I love that the that a Disney Plus show, that a Star Wars show, could be this good. I will always take my Jedi and lightsabers because that's the type of shit that I love. I want this too, and they don't need to be the same thing. I want them to coexist, and I love that this show is just like we have our own place. We're gonna do our own thing. It is a ten. It is perfect. I love it so much. Can't wait for more. Sage. Where can people find you? You can find me everywhere on the internet at NotSage, or you can find me on twitch.tv slash pixelcircus, hanging out with Anthony all the time for our morning gaming and pop culture news show called It's Too Early. Fantastic. Carboni, where can people find you? You can find me everywhere on the internet at A Carboni, except for on Twitch, where I am at Anthony Carboni. Twitch, you cowards, it's mine. Give it back to me. Also, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time, if you'd like to join me for a... Uh, uh, we're going to be watching on my Discord uh, the Garfield Thanksgiving special. We're going to get Garfed. Of course. We're going to get Garfed real early tomorrow. Good. Good. Oh, that is fantastic stuff. Uh, before we end this, last round of Patreon producers to give a shout out to Ryan Anderson, Kenny Kimball, Eric Velasquez, Ivan Quiz, Scotty Wyatt, Alex Gradle, Mama Murr, Al Tribesman, The Predator, uh, Jacob Meyer, Stefan Stryker, Gordon McGuire, Burt Meg, Jason L., James Davis Makes, Nanobiologist, Arrow Joe, DJ Kento on Twitch, Ryan T. from Tennessee, Derek Gehrig, Donald Eccles, Shortfuse06, Jordan Harrison, and Sean Valoric. Thank you all so very much. And for everyone else, till next time, may the force be with you.